Good morning. Welcome to At Home with Roby. I'm Patrick McIsaac from Roby Commercial Services along with Trent Haston from the Roby family of companies. Trent, uh, happy Easter. Today's Easter, right? Today's Easter. Do you say gobble gobble? That's Thanksgiving. That's Thanksgiving. Dang, the man. Easter is, uh, yeah, obviously. You say, <laughs> that's the sound of a rabbit eating some carrots. It is a rabbit eating a, a, a dyed Easter egg. That doesn't even make sense, does it? A dyed rabbit. Easter egg. Rabbits don't lay eggs, do they? Uh, they do not. They do not. In fact, we actually chickens had, lay eggs, right? We had some baby rabbits around uh, the little pond in front of my house a couple years back, and uh, the family has come back. They come back every year. It's pretty cool. Somewhere in the archives, I've got a picture of Scarlett, one of her friends, holding the baby bunny. The mom and dad were uh, the mom and dad rabbit were completely fine with them picking up. I'm sure they weren't fine with it, but they were just kind of letting. Where it Where is go this at? In front of my house. I thought you were you were a rabbit hunter. That's that's on when, other shows you talk about hunting rabbits. Shh, that's that's <laughs> in other states, not in the state of North Carolina. You go to Indiana and they're, they're different kind of rabbits, totally different. You let that rabbit go about its <laughs> merry day in Charlotte. Yeah, oh, good. Now if it if it crosses into Indiana, it's on its own. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you have rules around this. You're like every other hunter. Uh, they no. have rules. Can't hunt on. Can't hunt tomorrow, but you can hunt today. Well, the no, the number one rule, and I'm not a hunter quite like I know you're like an avid professional hunter at this point. I have done a lot of hunting. Yes, I'm not, I'm not. I'm always the low man on the totem pole. But so am I. I get to carry the gear, and usually the, before they would put the uh, the orange vest on me, and the, there was a pouch in the orange vest where they would stick the bodies of the animals that you shot. I carried I carried the quail on my last trip. That's what I was good for. I yeah. said, "Hey, man, it's so impressive." <laughs> Sent this fella a text. I said, "So impressed with your." With your avid hunting skills. And he said, man, thanks for lugging the quail around. I said, right. wow, I'm so proud I can do something. So so if you've never hunted before and you're the low man on the totem pole, do not wear new clothes. Don't do it. Because that stuff has a tendency. I think they gave me a pouch in the back that had a hole in it. Because it looked like I got shot in the back. I always wear new clothes. I only wear clothes once. <laughs> then they're gone. Yeah. <laughs> I figured that about you. You see my eight-year-old shirt I'm wearing. You got this wrinkled. You got uh, Jordan Hartbrand's hat on. I I was just with Jordan. Oh, you were. Uh, So yeah, I just had uh, my first uh, family business forum trip. We met in San Antonio. Got back two o'clock last night. Ah. Delayed coming back out of Atlanta. Did a layover. Uh, I like flying private a lot better than than the back of the plane commercial. But (laughs) some some things you do and I got to do. so, yeah, I just got to hang out with Jordan, and Jordan hosted the meeting because uh, yeah. he does a lot of business in San Antonio. Fl- Flatonia, Texas is about an hour and a half, I think. Okay. Northeast, I think, uh, from San Antonio. Wow. Anyway, great to see these guys. been two and a half years. Uh, so I'm jacked up, Patrick. Just wait till you have these ideas coming at you. Get geeked up. No, it's exciting. Um, yeah. I heard a story at church on Sunday. It was talking about uh, – Lyndon Johnson, and it was uh, what he used to do. I thought it was so cool, and I brought this up to one of our teammates. Uh, do you know that he used to sk- he used to run and skip into uh, his what it, the chamber, I guess they call it, wherever he was when he was a senator. He because he was so excited to start his day, he would run like a little kid and start skipping before the sun would come up. And somebody started documenting. He didn't want anybody to know that, which is a pretty cool story. Um, and so that's kind of the feeling you got right now, right? You're like so excited you could just run right into the office and just get some stuff done. Well, I'm pretty excited every day. I, I feel I the mean, same really, way. to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, it's a good day. I'm excited. I think we've got a lot of good things going on. 
when I go when I go on these trips uh, and hang out with these other business leaders, I talk about you guys. I don't. That's what I talk about. That's so, why my uh, ears have been buzzing. That might be tetanus. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I heard if this if you got a ringing in your ear, it might be. <laughs> Is it tetanus? I mean, I, I sometimes am like, man, I think I might have tetanus, <laughs> tinnitus, or whatever tinnitus. it's called. But, but but then my wife's like. How many cups of coffee had you had today? I'm like fourteen. She's like, uh, it might be caffeine. Yeah, so, it's, you're starting to your sweat starting to look like coffee. That's when yeah. you know you got a problem. But nah, man, I couldn't go to bed last night. I was sitting on the plane for a while, and my bones were e- creaking. You know, Reagan wakes me up this morning. She says, "Hey, we got to get Ford's haircut. You need to get a haircut. Got a new calendar." I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! Let me go here. Settle down." So. Uh, She's just doing her thing. It's on her list. Calendar. Well, we're going on spring break here uh, tomorrow evening. You going to the, to the beach? We're going to do uh, Low Country, South Carolina. We're going to Charleston for Reagan's mother's birthday. The whole family's going to meet there down there. Go. My kids, my, my girls are, you know, 12, 11, 12, 14. They're kind of in the in the, these Charleston-type locations and like the cool stuff. So we'll go do that for a couple of days. And then we're going to go to Savannah. And then we're going to go to Tybee. Uh, there you go. And we're going to do a Megalodon hunt. Uh, so Ooh. I get the, so, so this trip, I got to be tactful and respectful, but this trip is part of this trip's purpose is for me to be able to hunt shark's teeth with the kids. But <laughs> I don't know if they would be doing it without me. <laughs> well, you just, you just blew our cover, by the way. We said Happy Easter. Obviously, we're now, we, everybody knows we're pre recording, but this show does air on Easter. Yep. But it'll be cool because I, I want to hear. I know you're you're an avid shark tooth hunter. Um, what kind of what kind of garb you bring back? So the next show we'll talk about. That's it. It. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I have never never hunted shark's tooth in this area. But if, if you, you Google best places to hunt shark's teeth, top ten. This is part of the Tybee Island, Tybee and and Savannah and the back, the rivers, uh, you know, that feed the ocean there. You know, they dye that thing green during uh, uh, St. Patrick's Day. We just had that discussion because I was in San Antonio yeah, yesterday. You, you, you heard about that. <laughs> I've never been to, I've heard Savannah during St. Patrick's Day is a pretty pretty wild event, but I've actually never been even growing up in Georgia. Yeah. There's another pretty important event that's taking place in Georgia this weekend as well. The Masters. Yes. Yeah. Go, go Tiger. I know. That's amazing. Go Tiger. That's amazing. I'm excited about Tiger. I am too. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Let's see. Everybody likes a good comeback story. Like Forgiveness and, and redemption, and uh, he's the man for it. Wow, what a wonderful show, man. It's so good to be here. Our guest today is a dear friend of mine, hailing from the southern, southeastern part of the U.S., Stephen Johnston, hailing from Alabama now, but he spent some time in Mississippi. This fella is a true entrepreneur. Uh, his his current entrepreneur endeavor is goodjobsoftware.com, uh, matchmaking for employment. I've actually passed it on to our HR director, Tiffany Williams. Uh, because everybody knows perfect timing, how hard it is to find good employees and how much energy and, and money you spend doing that. So that is his current entrepreneurial endeavor, and, and he's got many more. He he started a company, grew a company, exited a company. Uh, what a wonderful guy. Can't wait. Uh, Stephen Johnston, when we return, you're listening to At Home with Roby. Welcome back to At Home with Roby. I'm Patrick McIsaac from Roby Commercial Services along with Trent Haston from the Roby family of companies. Happy Easter out there to all those that are celebrating Easter today. Trent, had a pretty good first segment. I see I give it about like an 8 out of 10. Gobble, gobble. 
I don't. We weren't through our first <laughs> first cup of coffee yet, so I think we're kind of like the energy was okay. I'd say, dude, I've had like twelve <laughs> cups of coffee today. It was a big joke. The energy was on point. That was it perfect. Was good. Yeah, it was good. but I bet it's not going to be as good as what we're about to serve up here in the second and third segment. I just can't. I mean, I pulled Stephen up on my YPO website just to refresh. You, man, you're such a handsome, handsome young man. <laughs> Well, you're too kind, Trent, but thank you. Are you in Birmingham now? Yes, uh, I'm in Birmingham. Uh, beautiful day here, and uh, I'm delighted to be on your show. I really appreciate the opportunity. Man, we're that, happy to have you. No, uh, yeah. Uh, so so you, you reside in Birmingham now, but you, but you were in Mississippi. How long ago did you move back to Birmingham? Yeah, so so actually, my my career started in Charlotte. So I left Mississippi, moved to Charlotte, uh, New Frontier had never been there before. Uh, went to Mississippi uh, after about seven years as an investment banker there in Charlotte. Started uh, my first company in 2000, and lived there until 2018, and then moved to Birmingham, um, uh, summer of 2018, and um, man, just enjoyed living in this new community. It's been great. Seen a lot of different cities across the southeast, but Birmingham's a, a, a pretty good place. Wow! So you started your first business in two thousand. I started my. It was my first. I was the. It was my first company um, when I got out of investment banking. That's when um, we started that first business, and I sold it in two thousand twelve. So um, yeah, I'm an old guy. If that's what you're referring to. <laughs> no, I, that was impressive, man. What uh? Yeah, what business you, was can that? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so uh, so you know, after I left investment banking in 2000, which all my friends and uh, you know around Charlotte were like, "What are you doing? It's the best time in the world." <laughs> yeah, <in> right. <laughs> banking, you know, and and so um, I don't think they felt the same way in 2001, but in 2000 it was pretty good. <laughs> um, yeah, but so when I started this company, actually, it was a really cool company and. You know, what we did was we built uh, the world's first smart meter, if you've ever heard of that term, which is an electric meter on the side of a house or business um, that communicates over cellular networks. And we became really the largest company in the world uh, that built that technology. And um, and it was a, a fun time and helped a lot of utilities, uh, particularly in the United States, upgrade their system and um, give them direct access to information that they'd never had before about their customers and uh it was just a really really cool business at a great time uh when cellular was growing and uh we were just a very innovative company and you know built something that nobody said you could really do because essentially what we did was put an iphone inside of an electric meter and had to live for 20 years and um in the early 2000s that was a pretty novel concept Man, did your did your experience on the security side give you this idea? What drove this? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, such a, tra- like a twenty two years ago is such a trailblazing yeah. idea. We were still using Nextels back then. Remember? <laughs> I don't think I was online. Well, <laughs> you know, it's it's funny you mentioned that. It looking back on it, you know, it was uh, it was just an innovative idea, and I think that's how you know when you get into the world of technology, you want to be disruptive you want to create things that don't exist and you know i I think you know good entrepreneurs um you know don't get discouraged by all the things that people tell them you can't do you know or you won't you won't be a very good entrepreneur uh, particularly in the technology sector um and so you know it really uh the idea 
uh, originated from a, a company that was called WorldCom, if you'd ever heard of them. Sure. Uh, but and, and they actually had bought a company called Skytel. You, you probably don't remember this, but people used to have these things called pagers, <laughs> you know, and that's how they would communicate with people. <laughs> and uh, I was talking to a group of people uh, a couple of weeks ago, these, you know, young college students, and they had no idea what a pager was. <laughs> and I was like, man, you know, and they're like, no, we don't know. And anyway, so, so the original idea was, you know, how can you put a pager inside of a meter to give people, give utilities access to information about power outages and all these things that they didn't have before. But as we got into it, we realized that the world was moving to cellular, and so we switched the strategy, moved it to cellular. And, um, you know, I, we fortunately, we have, were able to raise a lot of money uh, to be able to invest in an idea, and uh, we just kind of, the timing was just perfect, you know, because utilities were trying to find, you know, ways to, upgrade their service and, and, and help people. And so anyway, it was just a, it was just a really cool idea at the right time. And, uh, uh, you know, it became the smart grid became one of the most important topics uh, in the two thousands. And we just were right there with a new innovation that, you know, help utilities um, have a smarter grid. So it was, it worked out perfectly. Well, so I would imagine being in North Carolina, I mean, I, I have two questions here. Um, one, was uh, was Duke Duke Energy pretty heavily involved? They had to be one of your first clients, I would guess, being here in your backyard, maybe not. And then yeah. be, being in the electrical business, I mean, it seems that most meters are now smart meters. I mean, am I right to say that? That is correct. Um, and so, you know, the first question, Duke, yeah, Duke was actually our very first customer. Really? And so, um, you know, they... Uh, through a, not through my relationship, but through one of the other founder relationships, um, with, with they had a, a relationship with Duke, and so they were they were a very innovative company and on the front end of, of developments, and you know they were um, very instrumental really in our success because what they we, you know we had a good idea, but we didn't know a lot about the utility business, and they were able to tell us, hey, listen, you know you. You've got a great idea, but, you know, to be able to operate in our world, this is what you have to do. And, and so they actually helped us, um, you know, in, in some ways create um, a, a product that was uh, market acceptable, so to speak. And they actually ended up investing in our business as well. So it was just a great – we had a great relationship with Duke. And I think by the time we sold the company, we were serving about 250 companies across the United States. So uh, different utilities. Man, that and is. So it, was a, it was. It was a great business. That's crazy. So you, right here, Mr. Johnson was also named one of the most influential executives in the smart grid space and was a finalist for Ernst and Young's Entrepreneur of the Year award. And I sold him as an entrepreneur. Wow, right? that's yeah, big time. That's huge. Goodness gracious! So well, it was. It, uh, listen, it was an honor, but I'll tell you, you know, I didn't make a lot of friends in the space, to be honest with you, and uh, I have a lot of good people, but. You know, basically, you know, I came in and said, you know, the way that the technology that people had spent millions and millions of dollars on was really old. And so, you know, we came in with a new idea and a lot of the people who had, you know, invested heavily in these kind of, you know, kind of an older technology, they weren't real excited about our entrance into the marketplace. But, um, you know, I think it's important to um, um, be bold and aggressive when you're an entrepreneur and, and so, you know, I think, you know, you, you mentioned a good point. I think it's Patrick, you said this, that, you know, in today's world, you can't imagine that a meter 
you know, on the side of a house wouldn't have, you know, two-way connectivity to uh, the utility. But in the early 2000s, Nobody had that, that was not available. No, I mean, it's, as, as a company that replaces a lot of those meters from the or meter cans from the early 2000s, you're, you're right. I mean, I would imagine, especially in an urban area where you, you would, almost everybody would have some sort of smart technology on the on the actual meter itself. Maybe you get out in the rural parts, maybe not. But uh, that's fascinating. I mean, it definitely crosses into a little bit of what we do with our business as well. Yeah, it, listen, it was a great business. Um, we obviously were dancing with elephants, you know, competing with giants. And then when we sold the company in 2012, we sold it to a partner of ours who was also a competitor uh, called Itron. And, you know, they're one of the, I guess, leading companies in the world in terms of utility automation and other uh, utility technologies. And so it was just a really good fit for us. Um, You know, I thought, listen, to be honest with you, you know, when I left investment banking to join this company, the idea of Trent was to sell it in two years and retire. (laughs) But, um, okay. I didn't know 12 years later I'd still be there, you know, building a building a company. But, you know, things change, and you got to be able to adapt. And, and you know, we, we really did build a great company and, and had a lot of super customers, and it was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, we sold it. It was at the right time to sell it. And, um, and I'm you know, I'm thankful for the experience. What a story, Stephen. So, so you sold the business in 2012. You were dancing with elephants, competing with giants. I love that. I love that analogy. Uh, We got to cut to a commercial. I want you to hang tight. I want to pick up selling the business and and, and take you on the last last decade uh, of your entrepreneurial career because I know it's exciting. Will you hang out with us for a few more minutes? Absolutely. All right. Stephen Johnston, uh, good job is his current entrepreneurial endeavor when we return you're listening to at home with roby welcome back to at home with roby i'm patrick mcisaac from roby commercial services on trent hasten from the roby family of companies we are with stephen johnston today of good job but trent we haven't even talked about good job yet good job software inc software inc good job so not that he did he did do a good job, but but uh, if you miss the last segment, you got to go back and listen to this. I mean, what a fascinating story, Stephen. You have uh, being in Charlotte for uh, for the better part of the two thousands, uh, starting a, a business that uh, really smart meters on the electrical side, which uh, fascinating. Uh, but I do have some advice. You did say that you look at some college kids and they don't know what a beeper is. Man, they need to get their Dr. Dre nineties rap game going. What you think, Trent? No my beeper kept beeping. I know Trent had a beeper mm. back in the day. I carried my daddy's beeper. You did. You had to end the glow. Do you remember, like you, you could create like different words and like things? That, man, we had like a whole language on the beeper back in the day. Yeah, I, I left that up to the ladies. <laughs> I'm sure you did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, well Stephen, let's fast forward. Uh, 2018, you, you moved from Charlotte. I assume uh, directly from Charlotte to Birmingham. I think you might have mentioned that in the last. The last segment there, and uh, and you're no longer in the smart meter industry. You are doing something different now. Yeah, yeah, and actually, just tie that up. So I moved when I left Charlotte in 2000. I moved to Mississippi, and that's where oh. we built our smart metering company called SmartSync. My bad. And then I stayed in Mississippi um, really until 2018, and then moved to Birmingham. And shortly after I moved here, started um, my current company called Good Job, and. You know, basically, what what Good Job is, it's a 
software company that predicts if people will be successful in job roles based on psychology first. And, you know, we have a very, very big vision at Good Job, which is, um, you know, if we can help people find job opportunities where they're wired for success, uh, they'll be able to live a happier, you know, more purpose-filled life. And so our mission really is to just connect people and employers uh, to connect them so that um, they can hire people uh, that are wired for success at that company in that specific role. It's a very, very disruptive, unique way to find the right people. And, you know, just like in the smart mirroring business, which, you know, when we started in 2000, you know, nobody believed that a utility really needed connectivity to, you know, a meter in real time all the time. It's very parallel to, you know, the hiring space that we're all living in today. And, you know, what I see happening with the younger generations and with the great resignation and all these things that are going on is there's never been a greater need to find people who can be successful at your company, at at different companies. And we think we've, you know, built a pretty cool platform that does that has a very strong value proposition for, for companies, but for people, it also, you know, helps them uh, find these great opportunities that they may, they may not have even known about, but where they're just wired to be successful based on who they are as a person. I, I mean, you said in the first segment, talking about the smart meters and stuff, the timing and then your exit on the timing. I think the timing getting into that business was, was perfect. I mean, you started as pagers and then it went to cell phones. I mean, the timing for for good jobs couldn't be any better. I mean, with yeah. with what our world and our pain points, and I was just with my family business forum for three days, all of our pain points are labor and, and, and keeping people, retaining wonderful associates and building that business and, and find, helping them find happiness. And uh, I, I, God. That's right. It, you know, the time, I didn't know that the, great resignation would have taken place when we started this business. I didn't know that, you know, the economy would be the way it is. Now, I was dumb enough to launch a business in the middle of COVID, but I I really did believe that made for a good story one day. You know, I figured, like, if you can launch a business in the middle of COVID and be successful, you can do anything. Um, That's sort of the way I looked at it. But but you hit hit the nail on the head. It's – there's just never been a a bigger time – to where, you know, human capital and people um, were, one, so hard to get, but number two, also hard to retain. And so, you know, we, we all want to retain the people that come work for us. And, you know, but what's going on in the world today is um, I think I saw a statistic where it said 60% of the Gen Z population, okay, is always open to working in a new job. <laughs> That's crazy. So, so you think about that. So, so back in our day, you know, back in the nineties and you know, even eighties and two thousands, you know, you would go get a job, and when you would get that job, you would probably think, "Hey, I'm gonna be here for five, ten, fifteen, twenty years." Yep. But these, this younger generation, when they look at a job, they look at it as like, you know, this may be a two year assignment for me. And so, so what Good Job does is, it's not about necessarily hiring the person that's going to be there for 20 years it's about how fast can you replace them with someone who can be as successful as they were 
how, wow. How do you do that? I mean, I guess is there, can you kind of take a take a layer, go go into the onion yeah. a little bit, and kind of explain the process? I mean, that absolutely. So um, it is. Uh, think about a dating app. Okay, so so the company has actually uh, been called Tinder for uh, companies, you know, <laughs> or whatever, it's, because it kind of operates the way a dating app operates. We acquired some intellectual property from some Harvard and Stanford professors called the Path Assessment. And it's a it's an, it's a less than ten minute assessment test that predicts um, your work traits and behaviors. Okay, and so it literally is thirteen to sixteen questions. By the way, it didn't start out that way, but we've had to innovate it down because you know nobody wants to take a test that's you know more than ten minutes. I can tell you that. <laughs> but once once we uh, once people take that assessment, we didn't match them up with what we call success DNA at companies. And the way we do that is we get people inside companies to take the assessment. And then the companies tell us, Hey, these are high performers. And so we drag their DNA profile, if you wow. will, psychological profile yes. to, you know, a, a bucket. And it creates the ideal profile for people to be successful at that company in that role. And then we match them to, um, um, match new people to that psychology. And so when companies, you know, today, this is the way it works today, right? We all do the same thing. We want to hire somebody. We get a bunch of resumes. We start looking at those resumes and, you know, we may get through, you know, 10 of them and say, Hey, these three or four are good. I'm going to start with these three or four. And then you may have gotten 50 resumes, but you never look at, you know, 11 through 50 because you find somebody in the first 10 that you like, well, what if your best candidate was number 49? Okay, so what our system does is companies upload those names and email addresses in our system. We send them an email. We have them take the assessment. Then we come back and tell the companies, this is who you should hire because they match up well psychologically as well as skills and qualifications and personal preferences. So it's just a real simple way to cut through all the wasted efficiencies we have with hiring. And it really just says, hey, this is the best candidate. Man, no, I mean it's it's wonderful. I mean we we are so lucky to have the team at the Roby family companies that we have here locally. But it was it was painstaking to get it to that point. And you know, with the running joke used to be, hey, someone will get excited about a new hire, and you know, you kind of step back as, what was the, Trent starting to laugh? But give it six months and come back and tell me if you feel the same way. Um, and so th- this is revolutionary. I mean, everything is. I mean, I, I think Trent, you and I came through the the dating world post app or pre app. Um, but that's how the world works now, right? I mean, it's just everything that you're saying is is how the next generation of folks thinks. Um, makes complete sense. I, yeah, it, it it really it's very in, intuitive in the way you approach it. We do everything's changed. Everything has changed in the past twenty years. If you think about it, I mean, the way we get data, the way we uh, communicate with each other, and all these things. But the one thing that hadn't changed is how we hire people. Yep, it, it, you said it. It makes it simple. I mean, nothing about hiring people or retaining oh, yeah. people. I mean, the money and the energy spent in hiring people and finding the right fit is not keeping them z- negative. Simple, <laughs> it's the opposite. That's right. And so, and you know, the the truth is, like, you know, when I was at, I mean, particularly your audience will understand this. Back in the day, you know, there were two real big banks in in Charlotte. There was First Union and Bank of America. Okay, and you know, you could have the exact same job at Bank of America that you would have at First Union, but the person who was successful 
at Bank of America versus First Union were very different in, in terms of who they were because the culture was very different. And so, you know, what we've tried to do is help people find people who are wired to be successful in that role at that company. So, you know, just because you're an investment banker doesn't mean you can be an investment banker and be successful everywhere. Or you're a nurse that works at, you know, Carolina's Medical Center versus, you know, another hospital. We try to really dial it in. What makes that people successful at this company in this role? So that so that companies can hire people with confidence. I I think it's brilliant. I got a bone to pick with you because you were supposed to be retired in '02. Uh, (laughs) Goodjob.io is how you find it. And and Stephen, we've teed you up for this. We we skipped about five years in in your in your life's maybe a little longer. Uh, You did something very awesome. I mean, knock your socks off. Will you stick around on the last segment and talk a few minutes about this? Oh, I'd be honored to. It'd be great. All right. Stephen Johnston, when we return, goodjob.io. You're listening to At Home with Roby. Welcome back to At Home with Roby. I'm Patrick McIsaac from Roby Commercial Services along with Trent Haston. From the Roby family of companies, we just, well, we didn't finish up. We've had Stephen Johnston from Good Job on the show. Trent, I'm, I'm mind blown over here. So, so just to recap. Recap uh, it. On the website, goodjob.io, three ways companies use Good Job. Effortless, effort, number one, effortlessly vet your candidates. That doesn't happen. Number two, effectively deploy your resources. I mean, that's what I think about all the resources <laughs> it takes to, to have a bad hire Lots or, or of resources. Find, try to find somebody with warm blood. And number three, let good job find new candidates for you. Yes, uh, please. You know, have faith and, and let a let a system work. So we still have Steven. Steven, you, you, you're like... You cliff hung us on the last like segment. You're like 2% of our guests get to stay on the last segment. So you're obviously special. <laughs> we do a well, lot of... Man, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to make the cut. <laughs> we do a, we do a lot of charitable. We're big Make a Wish supporters, and our last show was uh, was uh, it was Kathy Kinnear. You, Kathy, yeah, in reach. In Sorry, re, in reach. I'm saying we love charity. We kind of dedicate our last segment a lot of times. You to threw charity. me for a loop there. Sorry. And, uh, and and you and I hit it off. I mean, frankly, because I think we're both uh, grounded in in, in faith and, and and just try to be good people uh, and, and do what we're supposed to do over the last decade but you had a break we didn't talk about this after you exited your business uh 10 years later than you thought you were going to retire then you bit off <laughs> bit off bit off something for for five plus years before a good job which i'm still got a bone to pick with you because you're supposed to be retired 20 years now <laughs> right. uh what did you do in between there well, well, first of all, this is how it started. You know, when I sold my business, I went and met with my financial advisor. He called me in and said, hey, Stephen, we reviewed all your, your numbers. You know, we want you to come in and see me. And I said, well, my wife and I, we share everything. And I said, well, you want me to bring Melissa, you know, with me? And, and he goes, no, 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 I want you to come in first. And so um, so I went in first, and he said, hey, listen, we, we want you to come in today to talk to you uh, before your wife came, he said, because here's the here's the key point, Stephen. You didn't make enough money, so don't quit working. Okay. <laughs> so, Prepare you for and, your and, and by the way, dude, you're ten years late. <laughs> right, exactly. So, so, so. Anyway, with all that being said, <laughs> I, I left um, uh, when I 
when I sold my company, I left it. I really um, didn't know what I was going to do next uh, in my life. And, and I just, through a, a very strange set of circumstances or not, um, felt called to get involved with a project, a, a movie project, to tell a story that was very impactful to me and really uh, had meant a lot to me. It was based on the New York Times bestselling book called Same Kind of Different as Me. And I ended up um, producing a film about that book and about that story. And, um, you know, I, honestly, I thought I was going to, you know, kind of step in, not do a whole lot, and, and just, you know, help out, raise the money for the project. Um, but that turned into really a full-time, you know, three-and-a-half, four-year journey of making a movie about, you know, one of the most impactful stories I've ever read in my life. And um, and so so I spent four years in Hollywood, uh, well, living in Mississippi where we made the movie, but, you know, dealing with, with Hollywood. And uh, the film was launched on in October of 2017 with four Academy Award winners, including, you know, Greg Kinnear, Renee Zellweger, John Boyd, and Jimon Huntsu. And it's truly one of the most inspirational films. I think, you know, well, I tell people it's probably the most inspirational film you've never seen uh, because it didn't get, you know, treated extremely well by Hollywood. Uh, but it's found its way on Netflix and Amazon and, you know, some of these other uh, alternative channels. And it's just a really, really powerful story about a true, uh, a true story about a homeless man named Denver Moore and, you know, his impact on, um, on the world. So, and, and I, Reagan and I have watched it. I don't think we watched it with the family. We watched it probably, uh, you know, a couple, couple nights going to bed. Uh, I, I got chill bumps when you were talking about it because I, I remember uh, it, I'm excited about going back and watching it with my family. I haven't seen it. On, find it on Netflix. Same uh, kind of different as me. Same kind of different yeah. as me. Yeah. So and, already, and, you know, here's the, in a nutshell, you know, this is the whole, you know, purpose of the, the, the movie and the story. And, you know, here it is. You know, it's basically, you know, everybody um, has been made. Uh, and has a capability to impact the world. And this um, Denver Moore is the homeless guy who basically grew up with nothing, uneducated, lived in on the train tracks for 30 or 40 years, you know, traveling across the United States, uh, spent time in prison uh, for a crime, and, you know, basically was just someone who you would think, you know, you know couldn't really impact anyone because he, he didn't have a lot to give. And, he, he developed a relationship with this uh, great woman uh, named Debbie Hall, and, you know, she loved on him. And, you know, through that love and through their relationship, he, he really developed into a person that uh, ended up uh, blessing and, you know, raising millions and millions of dollars for homeless um, organizations throughout uh, the country. And, you know, it's just a it's just a great story about faith and hope and love and forgiveness and friendship. And um, it's just a movie everybody should see. Well, man, I'm smiling ear to ear. We yeah. can, we got to go. What a want, man. Easter Sunday show. Same kind of different as me. Go check it out. Stephen Johnston, goodjob.io. I mean, God bless you on this Sunday. And as always, go do the golden rule. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Uh, that's how that's how we roll on the At Home with Roby show. Stephen, thanks for joining us. Uh, thank you, audience, for joining us. Have a wonderful day.